good to be with you guys. My name is Jared Clary, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And so Tracy is on a little vacation, enjoying some R&R, and so I get the privilege of preaching and bringing y'all God's Word. And so we're going to continue in Luke, and so we're in Luke 19. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be walking directly through that text. And so we're going to be in Luke 19, verse 28, and then we'll finish the chapter this morning. As I was looking at this passage, I was like, man, what connects all of this stuff? That really there's kind of three different scenes that are going to break down in this. And and we're in a really unique place in Luke because if we remember in Luke 1, the very beginning, then Luke says the reason why he wrote this book. And that's that we would have certainty about Jesus, that we would be confident in our faith. And so he's recorded names and places and times and and a ton of facts that we can go and we can look at. And we could, when he was writing this, that they could go back and they could examine and they could could verify so that they would have confidence that Jesus was who he says he was and that they would put their faith in him and obey him. And so that was Luke 1. Luke records why he wrote this. And so then Luke 9, in this progression of Jesus' ministry and of his life, then Luke 9 says that Jesus fixed his eyes to Jerusalem, that he was set on going to Jerusalem. And we know why, because that's where he was ultimately going to suffer and die. But that there was this journey to Jerusalem. And so from Luke 9 to Luke 19... We've been on this journey, and today he's going to get there. He's going to come into Jerusalem. Now, it's a little confusing. You may be like, wait a minute, haven't we already talked about this? Yes, we jumped forward for Easter, and now you're like, then we jumped back, and now we're back there again. And so you're like, okay, this is where we're at. And Luke 9 is going to unpack this. But what he's doing specifically in this text, I think, is there's a continuation of what Tracy preached last week. This parable, right? That Jesus taught this parable and it had some really hard truth in it. Like the nobleman comes and he says, be about my business. I'm going away on a journey. And so he he gives them these gifts to invest and to be about his business. And when he returns, then he rewards them according to whether they were faithful or not, whether they had obeyed or not. And for the ones who had been faithful, who had obeyed, who had been about his business, he gave more. And for the ones who had not obeyed, he had taken away. And then we get to this really hard verse right at the end. It says, but as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. And we're like, whoa, that's pretty hard. And so Luke is going to unpack that. And as I was looking at this, then it made me think of this conversation I had with my son. It was one of those throw anything in the conversation. You know what I'm talking about? So he was frustrated, I could tell, at the situation. Because I had asked him to do something, and he didn't understand it. He didn't understand why. And so he was frustrated at it. Why would dad ask me to do this? And so I picked up on that. Now, I knew I was frustrated because he hadn't obeyed. So we were both frustrated. He wanted to know why. I wanted him to obey. 
And so we were in this situation where I took a breath and I realized, okay, we need to talk about this. We got to a place where ultimately as parents, I was like, what is it to help you to understand why? Like as you're growing up, we want to help you understand why so that you can begin to make these decisions for yourself. But there's also going to be times where we're not going to be able to explain why. But we just need you to obey because we need you to trust us. We need you to believe us and trust that we have good in store for you. That you maybe have a little more information. And you're just going to have to trust us because there's, there's not time to explain why. And so we got to this place. And, and so we've been walking that. And we've been doing a little better, right? just getting to lay his heart on people. And what he's going to do is he's going to begin to to explain a little bit more of these hard truths. The hard truth is that you're either with Jesus or you're against Jesus. That's the hard truth we saw last week. You're either about the Father's business, you're either about Jesus' business, or you're against him. And you're opposed to him. as we open your word, Lord, would you open our eyes? God, would you open our ears? Would you open our hearts that we might hear you, we might see you, and that we might willingly follow and obey you? That we would see for who you are, that you're good, you're trustworthy, you're true, So we're going to break down these three scenes, but I want to give y'all four truths or four lessons concerning obedience this morning. So let's unpack this first scene, verse 28. It says this, and when he had said these things, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. Okay, so that's the connection back to the parable that he's just told, right? That, that when he had said these things, so, so there's a, a carrying forward of that parable. He said these things, and then he went on ahead, going to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away... They went, and they found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. For all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees and the crowd said to him, 
teaching that you can be silent. And he answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. Okay, so the first lesson that I want us to see is that obedience requires faith. Jesus told this parable about being about the father's business, obeying what he had commanded. And now we see as he walks into Jerusalem, as, as this preparation is happening, he comes to his disciples and he says, hey, I want you all to go get this donkey. It's a colt. Go get it. Now, sometimes we're so familiar with the Bible as we grew up in church and we're familiar with it that, that kind of we, we lose some of the, the reality of it. Obedience takes faith. Jesus just asked his disciples, hey, walk into that town and commandeer a donkey for me. Like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, and when the owner asks you, like, what are you doing? Just tell him the Lord needs it, right? Like, this would be like someone walking up and being like, hey, um, I'm just borrowing your car. You're like, uh, what are you doing? Like, why are you taking my keys and my car? Like, what are you doing? Like, oh, the Lord has need of it. Like, we sometimes it loses the reality of what's going on here, right? Like, Jesus has just asked his disciples to go commandeer a donkey for him. And they went and they did it. They obeyed. That takes faith, right? Like, there's, there's some things that Jesus asks of us to do that it just takes faith to, to believe and obey. For some of you, that may have been baptism. You're like, I don't understand it. I don't get it all, but he said it, so I'll obey. Okay. But in Luke's text, there's so much more than just this simple obey because I said so. There's so much more here. See, the context of this, what we don't see in the Gospels that Jesus has ridden a donkey around in town. So Jesus is doing something here. Like, why is all of a sudden he wanting to ride a donkey? Why all of a sudden is he sending his disciples in to do this? Well, because there's a prophecy in Zechariah 9.1 that says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is making this connection for the disciples that he is the promised king. He is the one who has been prophesied about. He is the promised one who has now come. And for the disciples to obey now is this, it's not just about going and getting a donkey. This is about believing that Jesus is the promised one who will take away the sins of the world. This is about believing that Jesus will cut off the chariots of Israel. The war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bows shall be cut off. And who shall speak peace to the nations? His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. That Jesus is the rightful king. he's 
Our obedience requires faith, but our faith produces our obedience. Look at what they say. And he rode along, and they spread their cloaks on the road, verse 37. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples, these are his followers, these are, this isn't just a crowd, these are his disciples, they began to rejoice and praise who? Obedience will face opposition. 
Uh, if you're like me, then, then you walk in obedience to God's commands and you think everyone's going to like celebrate. I'm going to come out of this tunnel and everybody's going to be like, yeah, look at you go. Awesome. Anybody else like me? No, y'all are used to the real life, right? That when we walk in obedience, we actually face opposition. Are you with me on that? The disciples are walking in obedience. They're, they're following these commands of, of this prophecy. They're rejoicing. They're singing. They're proclaiming the king in verse 39. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, are you truly God? then responds and he says no actually you guys are the ones that have it wrong i tell you that if the messiah the jewish commands would come so jesus responds to them and says no y'all are doing the right thing keep worshiping me keep praising me keep obeying me but if i'm honest in my own life the fact that i face opposition from this world adjust our lives according to the people we're around and who we're trying to impress and who we're trying to to win approval from or who we want to look cool in front of. We all do this. And Luke's recording here for us that when we walk in obedience, we will face opposition. When you walk in obedience to what God has called you to and commanded you to, people will oppose you. Don't be discouraged. Don't be caught off guard. Jesus actually says this in John. He's like, if the world hates you, don't worry, they hated me first. If you were of the world, the world would love you. But you're not of the world, so the world hates you. You can't get any more clear, right? third lesson.
lessons that we see here that start with this next theme. And so the lesson that we're going to see is that obedience avoids destruction. Look with me in verse 41. It says this. And when he drew near and he saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that we, even as you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from our eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and hold you down to the ground. Those are the words of the Lord. And they will not leave one stone upon another to stand because you did not know Jesus is telling Jerusalem, he's walked in and he sees the city and he's crushed. Look at this. This is the sovereign king of the universe and he sees their brokenness and he sees the path that they're following and he knows the destruction that lies ahead and he's broken. that makes for peace. People will spend their entire lives searching for something to bring about peace. Maybe it's the right government structure. Maybe it's the right scientific definition. Maybe the right scientific discoveries. Maybe it's, it's the right stuff in my life. What will give me peace? from the very beginning in the garden God walked with man and because of sin man chose in sinning to choose the side of Satan rather than the side of God and he made that choice to be opposed to God to bring about conflict to bring about separation mankind and God were not at peace together because mankind was a traitor, an enemy to the family of God. So how in the world can a holy, righteous, sovereign God be at peace with wicked, evil, traitor people? The chasm's too great. Your good works won't get you there. Doing more good in your life than bad is not going to get you there. Helping old ladies across the street, not going to get you there. It can't overcome the wicked, evil sin that you have committed. How can we be at peace? Only through what Christ did. Only through what Christ did on your behalf can we be known. 
days of being the mistresses, oh, that they would see Jesus as their only hope. Oh, that they would see Jesus as their king. But they didn't. And so what happened is because they didn't obey Jesus' words to repent and believe, to put their faith in him, then they began to walk down a path that leads to destruction. The scripture is so clear on this. That when we walk in disobedience to God, it always leads to destruction. Look at what it says. But now they are hidden from their eyes. For the days will come upon them when their enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. People don't think that, right? Oh, I'm following my own ways. This is going to lead to my own destruction. No, we don't think that. But yet it's true. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 7. Verse 21 through 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Add to burnt offerings and your sacrifices and eat the flesh. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. You're trying all these things which I didn't even tell you to do. That's what that says. You're trying all this stuff to earn peace, to earn righteousness, to earn this stuff. I didn't even tell you to do that stuff. But this I command, I gave you. Obey my voice. I will be your God shall be my people and walk in all the way that I commanded you that it may be well with you but they did not obey or incline their ear but they walked in their own counsel and the stubbornness of their evil heart and they went backwards not forwards from the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day I have persistently sent all my servants and prophets to them day after day yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear but they stiffened their necks and did worse than their fathers. So you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. And you shall say to them, this is the nation that did not obey or incline their ear, did not accept it. Truth came, but it was cut off. trusting God with it. No, I don't want to do that. No, not sure that, that I can give that stuff up. No, not sure I can believe that. And it ended in destruction. 70 AD, Rome came in and utterly destroyed the church. Annihilated it. There's a warning here. If you've never trusted in Christ, day of salvation, the day of visitation, oh, that you would know Jesus, the one who brings peace. Do you have a choice? Do you have a choice to trust him? Are you going to follow him or are you going to trust in your own ways? Are you going to listen to him and obey or are you going to stiffen your neck?
I love the way Luke unpacks this. Then he says, but they didn't find anything that they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. That he was living in such a way that there was nothing they could do, right? This is what Paul also tells us. Live in such a way that when there's accusations against you, nothing sticks. Walk in obedience in such a way that you bring about peace wherever you go and nothing sticks. like this peace with circumstances. Here's where really this starts happening. It's about obeying God and it being about a peace in your life that surpasses circumstances. You see this whole passage, I love it, that, that you have the man of peace, Jesus, riding on a donkey, which is the animal of peace, into the city, Jerusalem, which is the city of peace. This is all about God assuring him of his favor with the king of peace. And what does that mean? There is a war going on between Job and the king of peace. All the wicked kingdom comes with surpasses understanding because we know of this king who gives us a promise that he can make it right that in his time will be and how do we get that we have to walk in obedience we have to walk in obedience how do we do that we have to trust Jesus Romans 5 1 says this Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off, having been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility and then Colossians 1 19 and 20 says this for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him Jesus to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making the application for us that if if you don't know Jesus you'll never walk in obedience but also if you don't know his commands you won't walk in obedience ignorance is not bliss 
Jesus is who he says he is. He will do what he said he would do. You can bank your life on it. And you won't get it back unless you give it to him. God, we thank you for your word, which tells us who you are. That apart from your word, we wouldn't know Jesus. But that you have given us your word that tells us everything that we need for life and godliness. It tells us who Jesus is. It gives us the commands. It tells us the promises that you have for us. It gives us so much evidence that we would would believe that it's not blind faith, but reasonable faith. That we would trust in your word. And would you help us today Thank you.